Jonesy's Jukebox is brought to you by our title sponsor, the Law Offices of Sweet James Bergner. KLOS and KLOS HD1, Los Angeles. Now, the Sheriff of Rockingham. The pickpocket of Piccadilly. King Stephen of Lindblade. Steve Jones presents Jonesy's Jukebox. Listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on KLOS. That was uh, 10 years after going home from Woodstock. There's a reason we played that, not just because I wanted to hang out in the bathroom for 10 minutes. There's a reason. I'm going to explain to you why we played that. Before that was the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah Control, and we started off with Iggy Pop, Gimme Danger. And we're here with uh, Henry Diltz. Is that correct? That is correct. How are you Good morning, doing? Steve. How are you doing, doing well? Buddy? You've been on here before. I, I was here a couple of years ago with somebody. Yeah. I can't remember who. Yeah. And we're waiting for John Sebastian. Yes. And uh, Timothy White. Correct. Is, is he your partner? Yes, he is. Partner the Mo- in the Morrison Hotel gallery. Yeah. Yeah. You, you still take pictures? Oh, I do. Of bands, young bands? Uh, yeah, mostly young bands, millennial bands, Yeah, which is really what I did in the 60s, you know, the Buffalo Springfield, the Birds. I mean, they were... They were millennials? Millennial, kind of, you know. I mean, before they were well-known, I was photographing them. How, how, how old were they back then, like in Woodstock? Tw- uh, you know, 20s. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, millennials. <laughs> That's right. They would have been. Um <laughs> So yeah, so here you are. You got you got the big show tonight. Yes, indeed. We 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 have a big photo gallery opening. First of all, we have a book signing. Yeah. At five o'clock at the, at our Morrison Hotel gallery at the Sunset Marquee Hotel yeah. in Hollywood, and uh, Michael Lang, the producer of Woodstock, will be there signing his book. Yeah. They're mostly my photos, so I'll be signing it too. Do you, do you, what? Where's the book? Where's my book? Uh, we, it's okay. That, <laughs> it's okay. Oh, we left it out in the car. I yeah, guess. It's we, a, yeah. It's, he left it in the Uber, and <laughs> yeah, the Uber's driven yeah, off. That's right. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just pulling your leg. It doesn't matter. Uh, all right. Well, um, what was I going to say? You threw me off now. Um, the, sun, um, the thing tonight, the big, uh, the big old opening gallery opening at the Sunset Marquee. Yes, yeah. the Morrison Hotel Gallery. Gallery. And it's all photos from you. Woodstock, 50 years ago, yeah. And you was on the side of the stage. I was right there next to Jimi Hendrix, yeah. Everybody? Everybody. The Th- who, oh, three days you were in the same spot? Oh, yeah, I was there two weeks. So but so the whole festival, yeah, three days. Well, on the side of the stage, you know, in the front of the stage, over at the hog farm, you know, all over the place. And how old was you at that time? I was just uh, 30, 31. Okay. And you'd already been a photographer for a while? Uh, yeah, for three years. Yeah. And uh, did you get any good shots of uh, Alvin Lee? No, you know, that's one group. I was over at the hog uh, farm. Well, you're hog the, farm? Uh, what are you doing uh, over there? Uh, well, you know, that was the camping area. Yeah. And there was a lovely girl over there. I think her name was Loretta. Yeah. And she was <laughs> chopping cabbage in the kitchen sort of on acid. You know, her eyes were big like saucers. Yeah. And I, I kind of was smitten by her, so I kept visiting over there, and yeah. I missed a couple of groups. You fancied some cabbage. <laughs> you might say. <laughs> oh, man. I've never seen any good pictures of Alvin Lee from Woodstock. I wish I'd have got some. You know? So was you the only official kind of photographer? Um, yeah, I mean, there were other people that were friends of Michael's, but I was the guy, he flew me out from L.A. and he paid me, you know, so that makes me the official photographer. Yeah, yeah, and you own all your photos from them? I do. Well, I, you know, I own them with Michael. We share them. Yeah. Yeah. And and people, what's the, what's the most popular picture that sells? Well, well two of them. From... One, one is John Sebastian. Yeah. out at the edge of the stage from behind, showing that whole crowd of 450,000 people yeah. wearing his tie-dyes, yeah. which he tie-dyed here on Barham Boulevard. Yeah. And uh, 
that you know, and he he was uh, he took psychedelics that day and came to yeah. the festival, and they and they didn't have the next act hadn't arrived by the helicopter, so they thrust a guitar in his hand and said, "Quick, get out there, yeah, just sing something, do something." <laughs> yeah, the four hundred fifty thousand people are waiting <laughs> for something. Yeah, yeah, and the second one, of course, is Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, um, so he, he he was on. This was all in the morning. These were all in early the, in the morning. Early well, in the morning, John was in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, but uh, Jimi Hendrix was uh, was uh, early in the morning. Yeah, just at daybreak. Yeah, and here's John himself. There he is. Himself. Right How from, are you, Henry? Right from the edge of the stage. John, yes. How, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. Nice to see you. Look well. Lovely to be with you. You look good. Good. <laughs> Do you? Uh, are you? Can you speak into the mic? Yeah. Let me. Uh, Do you want headphones? Do you want headphones? Mm -hmm. sure, like headphones so. if you like. Sure. I'm okay like this. Am I yeah. not? As long as you're in the mic, that's yeah. all that matters. Yes. You're a pro. You must. You know. You know what a microphone is. Sure. <laughs> There's your volume down here. Follow the the cold. Is that better? I see it. Yep. You look good in cans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've I've cultured a certain look. Yes. We were just talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling him, you know, one of, one of the best pictures besides Hendrix was you out at the edge of the stage that afternoon. Right. You know, as a big surprise to you, right? Totally a big surprise Not on the to bill. Me. Not on the bill. Suddenly they shove a guitar in your hand and say, quick, get out there, sing something, right? <laughs> That's essentially the way it went, yeah. And you, and you did. And I always say... He spoke to that crowd as if it was his best friend. Yeah. It was so, so beautiful, so kind of calming, and so, you know. And in many ways, that was the situation. It was just a larger version of those wonderful encounters around a coffee table with people passing a joint and talking crazy ideas. Yeah. And, and uh, boy, here was a crazy idea that had materialized, you know? <laughs> yes, indeed. That's, that says it very well. Who was meant to be on when you got shot? Good question. That part, that information has escaped my aging brain. I, I, I really don't know... Uh, uh, I know Santana was somewhere in that proximity, and yeah. I know Joe Cocker was also hovering around. Uh, and that, that was a daylight thing too. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, but it's very funny how often uh, not only audience members but acts don't have the right order in their memories yeah. of what happened when. Mm. Yeah. It's an easy thing to lose track of. Maybe maybe he was down at the cabbage farm. <laughs> he could have been. You missed that. No, the hog farm. <laughs> the, hog, the hog farm. I like That's the it. cabbage farm better. <laughs> <laughs> so, you still playing? Every day. I mean, I mean like I, I leave you uh, and uh, tomorrow I'll be off to Charlotte. North Carolina, yeah, and then a uh, little Asheville, and uh, uh, then there's a couple of big sort of Woodstockian scale festivals, uh, also in North Carolina, and uh, and yes, it's the short answer. Uh, I'm working as much as I ever have. Yeah, do they is that do they always like they try to reenact Woodstock? Well. I'd say there was an attempt once, right, and it didn't kind of a reenactment of Woodstock. Yeah, I tried to do a Woodstock again. Well, they tried this year. Well, they tried. Michael Lang, of course, tried. If, if but but he lost. He, they wouldn't give him camping permits. Yeah. They wouldn't give him the. You know. That's why you can't reenact it because it was a whole different could, ball game back yeah. then. And and yes, and and really more for more reasons than that. I mean, if you use some of the more recent attempts to gather folks together and call it Woodstock. It was already at an era when uh, beer companies had uh, figured out that that would be an enormous number of uh, yeah. beer drinkers. Yeah. But of course, the drug is not the right drug for a, a gathering. Yeah. Where, whereas herb is a kind of a much more logical mm. thing. I wonder if a, a herb can do sponsorship now. Now, yeah. that's logical. Right? In I California, think, I think for they sure. can, right? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah. Is right. there an actually a company though? Whoa, well, many are companies. you kidding? Look at the post, uh, the big uh, posters that are up now. Billboards, going, right? Yeah. Billboards all over Los Angeles. Yeah, but they're little shops. They're, they're talking about shops, right? Yeah. No, but it's not like big, Coors okay. Light. It's not like. Is there a big company that's got bulk weed? Well, it's really comical because the answer is yes. Yeah, and there's also when you go to. Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, I travel all over. I had some gigs in Oregon. And those pot shops are not little bodegas. They're like the size of a Lowe's or a Builders and yeah, Warren. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, here's the front with the normal little papers yeah, yeah. and tragic little pipes and so on. But boy, in the back, there's every possible jungle in there. Uh, way to grow it and all of the necessary agricultural tools to grow it. And, and uh, yeah, I, I was approached by a very attractive and, and very young woman uh, who worked at the, the weed store saying, and can I help you, uh, sir? And I said, you know, an old pothead just needs a minute to absorb some of this. <laughs> it's remarkable. Yeah. About, you know, our, our little pushing little towels underneath the door. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> you know, what are you doing, guys? Yeah. You know, you know, Mickey Dolenz told me something in the 60s yeah. when we were smoking it together every day. What did he say? Uh, he said... You know, if they ever make this legal, it's not going to be fun anymore yeah. because, you know, this is a private thing we do. It's illegal. It's like, you know, we're, we're brothers kind of doing it, brothers and sisters doing this, you know, and we're, we're this. It's little... like blow. You go in the bathroom and bond with someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. Same yeah. concept. Is that, le is that legal, blow? No, 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 no. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> God, God, God's herb, I call it. You would say God's herb. Herb. God's herb. It's that one word that the limeys say opposite. It's, it's the God. only word we say. You say herb. herb. Yeah. You guys say herb. Yeah. Yeah. But if you say God's herb. But we never use H's in a lot of the other words, American right. words. Exactly. That's right. It's funny. But if you say God's herb, it sounds like you're talking about a guy. Yeah, you know? Herbert. Yes, Herbie. Right. <laughs> We're going to play a song. We're here with John Sebastian. We're going to play one of your songs, funny enough. All right. And we're here with photographer Henry Diltz. And we're still waiting for someone else, right? Or is that it? Uh, Timothy White is standing over there, my uh, the co-owner. You don't want to sit down? Have yeah. a seat. We're going to play this song. We'll be back in a minute. Take it away. You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on KLOS. That was John Sebastian. Rainbows all over your blues from live at Woodstock. We happen to have John Sebastian in the studio and Henry Giltz. Am I saying it right? Giltz. Ah, Jesus. Close enough. Giltz. <laughs> and Timothy White. Yes, sir. You two are both co-owners with the Morrison... Hotel Gallery. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We are. You got both the photographers. Yeah. And he's a, a photographer, celebrity, movie star photographer. Oh, excuse me. Yes. And you're both doing a thing tonight? Well, it's really We're all Henry, talking. Yeah, John Sebastian and, and Michael Lang's in town to join us. It's yeah. going to be quite an evening. Yeah. The guy, the guy, kind of the promoter. Was he the promoter? The guy that put Creator? it together. Yeah. yeah. Producer. It was his dream to have three days of, what was it, love and music. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Did he, uh, was he uh, an, a wreck afterwards? No. no. No, he's a very calm, almost cherubic guy. You know, and he says, I've heard him in, you know, in, in, in interviews, he says, when things get weird, I get calm. Yeah. Which is a good trait. Yeah, we've yeah. seen it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm the opposite. When things get weird, I, I split. <laughs> um... So that's good. So it, it's a book signing too. Yeah, Michael, that's right. Michael's yeah. got a book out, so we're doing a book signing in the gallery tonight yeah. with him. Yeah, and then from there uh, up to the Villa Pool at the Sunset Marquee Hotel. Yeah, um, where we're doing this event. We've uh, okay. 
put up, put up walls and doing an exhibition, and these three gentlemen are going to talk about the anniversary of yeah. this event. But it's a book. It's a beautiful book. There have been a number of books, and Michael Lang himself put a book out shortly after, you know, back in... But this book... It's a great big coffee table book, and it looks like that poster, the orange poster with the dove sitting on the yeah. guitar. And it's, um, for the first time, he's like, it's his words all the way through the book. And it's not so much about the performance, but about the, the crowds and setting it up and how it all happened, yeah. kind of the history of, of how it all came to be with his own personal commentary yeah. and tons of photos, uh, many of which are mine. Yeah. Do people still like buy photos oh gosh yeah yeah we have a successful business it's all every day yeah i mean music resonates with all of us emotionally and i think that's the that's the model of our yeah. gallery yeah now, i bought some photographs off of mick rock you know you know mick rock mick rock yes we you represent know, him in uh in october i'm doing a tour of the east coast with mick rock yeah a slideshow tour. Yeah. I do my Laurel Canyon slides, and then he does all of his London slides of Bowie and Queen and all. Yeah. He's a lovely guy. I bought, I bought a few photographs of him, and I bought a set of David Bowie's uh, spiders from Mars from him. Yeah. Where he's numbered them and, and put his name on it. But that was 10 years ago, and now I can't get rid of them. <laughs> well, they, they go up in value. Not these ones. <laughs> should they we, con will. Should they we will. consign them, Henry? What? Should we you consign should them and see if we can make <laughs> yeah, a few dollars? Do it, please. Sell them back can to you? us. Yeah. They're all numbered and that, but well, I sure. think, ain't that like a thing where pe uh, photographers number them, but then yeah. a couple of years later they, they put some more out anyway? Different no, no, sizes? No, no, no. no, no. Don't no, give away no, the that's secrets. Illegal. That's illegal. That's <laughs> illegal. No, it, it's a... Illegal? <laughs> it's an addition number. And if you say... There's only a hundred of these in this size, then yeah. that's it. Yeah. You can make a couple for your friends without a number, yeah. but basically all the ones you sell have a sequential number. Yeah, I trust you. <laughs> Thank you. I can Steve. sell. I can sell you straight up. <laughs> Don't about me wrong. <laughs> um, so what else, man? Um, do you live in Do you live in California? No, John? I'm I'm the uh, the lone uh, rem, uh, the, the lone uh, remainder in Woodstock. Do you still live out there? I live in Woodstock. Did New you York. live there when when you did Woodstock? I did not at that point. Yeah. I was still living out in Burbank, California. Wow. So you're from California? No, I'm a New York kid. I'm born in Greenwich Village, and. Uh, zipped around my father was a classical musician yeah. so i would end up in europe uh, very often during the summers while he toured what was you doing in burbank well it's a good question i'd say that it was a kind of a moment for me uh a kind of a newfound freedom uh, I recently had a divorce and also moved from the East Coast yeah. to the West. Yeah. And just through an association, strangely enough, with a, uh, a, a partner of Henry's in a band called the Modern Folk Quartet, yeah. uh, had managed to rent Lady Barham's Hunting Lodge from the 20s, which back then was a place that you could hunt. Is that why the street's called Barham Boulevard? Yeah. It, that is why, yeah. yes. Interesting. Yeah, and we were, uh, everybody was managing to find habitation in a garage or a little out, you know, a little house that had been added on. You know, California kind of permits these kind of things. Back then, yeah. Back then, especially. I didn't mean permits, but I just meant the the physical setting. You you can really. There's only a month or two when you even need a a catalytic heater in a, in a tent. So I was living in a, in a tent in Burbank. And this was and this was uh, mid sixties. Uh, this is late sixties. Late sixties. I see. And John was living in a tie-dyed tent. Well, he tie-dyed all the sheets and pillowcases and every piece of clothing he owned. Absolutely. As I mentioned before you got here, John. That yes. was your thing? 
just tie dye every few well, tie-dye? Well, uh, it didn't. It didn't start out being my thing. There's a wonderful, uh, uh, instructive woman by the name of Ann Thomas who was also renting in this funny little complex. And one of the things she did all day was it started off as uh, nail uh, batiking and then tie dyeing. And uh, all of us said, oh, would you tie-dye us a thing? And she said, get out of here. Tie-dye it yourself. There's a pot full of blue. That's green over there. And so that was how all of us ended up, you know, it was daily that and uh, anybody who would arrive at this little, what we called the farm, would inevitably in 10 minutes have all their clothes in a dye pot. And they were waiting now for their clothes to see this was a process that isn't just you don't just put in uh, a a garment uh, into a purple uh, pot and it comes out purple what happens is you take it out purple you hang it up in the sun and it slowly turns to its polar opposite on the color scale so you will suddenly have a yellow garment where you had purple and this is, you know, red turns green and all of that. So Tricks of the trade. It's wow. the tricks of the trade. Did acid have anything to do with it, though? The changing, well, not, of, changing of the colors? You know, everybody wants that to be, but I I just don't know. I, see, the thing is, I wasn't You'd, a wasn't psychedelic yeah. guy. Me neither. I, I loved pot. I, I, I even liked... Uh, mushrooms, yeah. but once you got to humans uh, putting this thing together, I, I didn't, uh, I, I, I didn't try it. So I, but I, I knew I wouldn't like it. Yeah, I tried it twice. I hated it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get off, and I couldn't. You know, I mean, I wanted it to stop. Yeah. You know, and it was the nightmare. I'd look in the mirror, I'd see a skeleton and stuff. <laughs> oh God! I loved it. Well, it's d- d- different minds. It's yes. different minds, you know. Yeah, I didn't funny. look in the mirror. You should have. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe. But this lady that he's called Ann Thomas, I forgot her real name because we all called her Tie-Dye Annie. Yeah. That was her nickname. And, and she, she taught, taught all of us, yeah. really, she so did. that there was an enormous output of tie-dye from that location. Yeah. But it wasn't all Annie's. Most of the good stuff really was Annie's. Yeah. Well, you just get a regular old tea, white T-shirt. Well, Did they have to be white T-shirts? So, no. Uh, if you started with cotton, that was advantageous because it would absorb the dyes and things. But don't forget that you can also tie bleach. So I did a couple of garments where I'd start with a pair of uh, uh, Levi's that were a dramatic color, whatever mm-hmm. it be, then you, uh, you scrunch it up and put uh, the rubber bands on it and throw it in uh, bleach and water that's, you know, usually you, you heat it up and have it really good and hot so that it's more like a thing that you're dipping it in and, and you can hear it go, and that's it. You Now you take it out and throw it in cold water because the entire garment will... You just die if you don't. Tie die. <laughs> yes. So do you do you still partake in this uh, ritual? You know, I did a couple of years ago. There was a need for a couple of garments, and what I did was there in modern times there are so many tie dye companies that it was very easy for me to talk to one of the folks from one of the tie-dye companies around Woodstock. They, they do all, in fact, I think they do all the Grateful Dead stuff and so on, and ask them if I could use their dye pots. So I just... Uh, just uh, what, when you say a pot, what, what is it? Just a bucket? Yes, it's just a, a, any kind in. of a container. Yeah, really, anything big enough to absorb the gar- to so that the garment can actually submerge in the cases where that's where you want. But of course, there's other situations where all you're trying to do is maybe get a a nice color around a ruffle or something. And so you just dip the ruffle in and pull it out. This is interesting. Oh, it was so much fun doing it. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. That's that. Then. That's that, man. <laughs> I'm going to go home and find a pot. Me too. Right? Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I don't think I've ever worn a tie-dye hmm. thing. It's kind of not, not our thing, the sex yeah. pistols. Uh-huh. How about love beads? Yeah. Oh, definitely not. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> Hate beads, used to wear. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's give another plug, yeah? Tonight. Where are you? Yeah. Henry. Uh, we're at the uh, Sunset <clears throat> Sunset Marquee Hotel on Alta Loma, just next to uh, Sunset Boulevard. And uh, at 5 o'clock, we have a Michael Lang Woodstock book signing. And then at 7 He's o'clock, be there. he'll be there signing his book. And then uh, 7 o'clock, we have a big VIP party around the swimming pool where, where John and Michael Lang and I will walk around and, and reminisce in front of all the photos. You're going to do a, you're going to play? No. Oh, John. He refused. We could reenact, push you out. Like, go on, do <laughs> yeah, something. Right, right, reenact. Yeah, there you go. Let's reenact it. You got your harmonica. John yeah. is he, one he of the can, best harmonica players I know, in the but world. I can tell by his face he ain't interested <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, it's just a, it's it's a different scale. And no, I and, do and something it, for a living, and yeah. there's two ways to do it. That's right. I can talk about it, or I can do it. And to do it requires not an extravagant refrigerator-sized amplifier, yeah, yeah. but I need an amplifier. Yeah. If you're just doing it an acoustic, all, everyone would just be talking. You won't even bleed near yourself. <laughs> well, right. Plus, we couldn't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? We're going to go into Red House um, from Woodstock. We're here with John Sebastian of The Loving Spoonful, photographer Henry Diltz, and Timothy White. Jonesy's Jukebox, KLOS. Listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on KLOS. That was Jimi Hendrix, Red House from Woodstock. And uh, we're here with John Sebastian and uh, Henry Diltz and uh, Timothy White, uh, photographer and co-owner of the Morrison Hotel. Now, Henry... You was at the side of the stage when that was happening, the Hendrix thing? Yes, I was. And it was early in the morning? Early in the morning. I was asleep in the back of my station wagon parked behind the stage. you just come back from the hog farm. Yeah. <laughs> Had some cabbage for breakfast. No, and I was asleep and I heard Chip Monk's voice say, Ladies and gentlemen, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. Jumped out of the station wagon, ran up the backstage, and was standing right next to him on stage. Well, a little bit away. Did you have a laminate? Did they have laminates back then? Oh, yeah. I had a laminate. But the problem is, if you leave the stage, you go to the hog farm, you come back, say, well, the security would say, well, you you don't have the right pass. You need the purple dot on the laminate. Yeah, it just changed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. And uh, was Hendrix big at this point yeah i mean he'd play monterey he'd play monterey pop and, and what he, albums what albums had he had well, out already couple i i'm sure i'm I, just I'm trying to sure. figure out why he was on at nine in the morning or whatever well he was, was. The, well you know, he wasn't intended to be on at nine in the morning any more than the who were intended yeah. to be and it's god awful hour of the morning it was the the way that this thing all began to emerge after folks couldn't get to the stage on time or mud prevented a given band from really loading in. And so the, those little intervals kept growing yeah. in between every act. And so that that was how it was that yeah. so many and and really, what are, what are you doing? You're holding Jimmy till the end because nobody's topping it. Yeah. So that was really yeah. that was to his disadvantage in yeah. a certain way. But on the other hand, much easier to photograph. I guess. Well, but also more to our advantage. I mean, think about yeah. Star Spangled Banner first thing in the morning, and I mean, in that in that setting with people leaving, and uh, I mean, what a moment. Yeah. That early morning dawn coming up, and he's playing that Star Spangled Banner, and that. That green hillside, you know, that had been a green alfalfa field and then was 450,000 
little faces out there covering the whole thing, and then now was a muddy, yeah, uh, just a muddy, yeah. you know, like a battlefield kind of with uh, soggy yeah, yeah. bags and stuff laying around. So it's kind of it was kind of shambolic then, as far as artists getting them yeah. on. It was kind of it wasn't like yeah, it wasn't organized all perfectly. Yeah, no, and in fact, in later attempts at duplicating Woodstock, right. they would always have that. Right. They would have figured out, oh, yeah. we can have an enormous circular stage, and it revolves, yeah. and the next act goes right on, you know? Took the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, H Hendrix was supposed to go on Sunday night. Yeah. But, you know, 11, something like that. Yeah. That's the headliner. But but then they were so backed up that it was Monday morning. Did you get any pictures of Shannon all? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. They were great. I, I got... Most everybody. Yeah, except Alvin Lee. Alvin Lee. Because you were busy. Yeah, I missed uh, I missed uh, Santana as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are you gonna do, Henry? <laughs> it's all good. Listen, thanks for coming by. We're gonna knock it on the head, and um, got your thing tonight. Give it another quick little plug. Yeah, go ahead, Timothy. You tell him. 5 p.m. book signing in the gallery at the Sunset Marquee Hotel with Michael Lang. 7 p.m. up at the Villa Pool with Michael, Henry, and John Sebastian reminiscing on the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Cool. Thank you, John, for coming by. And uh, Timothy. My pleasure. And Henry. Thank you, Steve. We're going to visit the Duke. Thank and then you. We, and we got uh, Alex Ebert of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros up next. See you in a minute. You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox. On Carlos, that was Joe Cocker, with a little help from my friends. He really needed to put more soul in that <laughs> track. <laughs> it was very white. Before that was Buffalo Springfield. Mr. Soul! Look at that, didn't even realise what I was saying. Anyway, <clears throat> we're here with Edward Sharp. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. Yeah. Thank, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. You're playing the Greek... Yeah. Uh, Saturday? Friday. Friday. Yeah. The 9th. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were meant to come last week, but you was under the weather. Yeah, I was really sick. I couldn't uh, I couldn't do it, mm -hmm. you know? I was I was shivering and, and fevering and just couldn't get on that plane. I live in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do... Uh, is there... A, there was a lot of people sick there, or was it just a random... Was other people sick? You know, they say they say other people were sick. I didn't meet them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you came on indie many many moons ago. Yeah, I feel like I even I was there a lot, wasn't yeah. I? Yeah. Yeah. When you had uh, I'm a robot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a robot. Yeah, and you had Jones's jukebox back then as well. And 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 the the other station, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's it. So what else you been doing? Uh well. Uh, can you curse these days? You can't, right? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say then. Um, I've been uh, I've been in New Orleans. I got a studio there. I've been the last three years. I've been working on solo stuff and and just taking a break from sort of the Edward Sharp um, the touring thing, you know, because the touring thing it's kind of like a it's like being in a relationship with a loud machine, you know, and then suddenly you're off of it and you're like, oh, that's what quiet feels like and sounds like and then all of a sudden it's like the 10-year anniversary yeah. of our first album and i'm thinking you know brian my manager's like what do you want to do all managers names are brian by the way but um brian said uh what do you want to do brian epstein epstein a lot, a lot of them brian young i have i have four managers named brian just by myself life of brian <laughs> um yeah jesus is help you know and um I don't know. I just thought it'd be nice to. So you like not being on the road. You like the breather from. I liked a breather, man. I li I needed a breather. Yeah. Um, there's something like about touring? the bus and the the you know the you know the graveyard of those those the tombs those those, those tombs you yeah. sleep in and yeah. the, and the hum of the bus and you know I don't know. It's just it's tough after a while. Uh, do you prefer that though than flying the bus? Um. Yeah, flying really takes a specific yeah. energy out of me. Yeah. yeah, stressful. Yeah, man. Even doesn't matter what class you're in or what the flight yeah. is, it just like yeah. sucks it out of you. But um, 
Yeah, I thought it was, you know, and then it's funny now, rehearsing with the guys, it's like I was just thinking when I got back from rehearsal yesterday, it's like, you know what, these, these 48 guys in the band represent, you know, most of my friends, most of my best friendships yeah. are, are actually in this band. Um, and it's really nice to think about. It actually makes you want to just... I saw the Stones the other day. They came through New Orleans. Yeah. And it was like... It was so sublime. Like, just to see these dudes doing it after this long, it almost made me want to do the same thing. You know, just like, you got your you got your crew, and that's what, who you roll with. Yeah. Yeah. Were they good, the Stones? They were honestly kind of incredible. Yeah. They were arguing on stage. They were train wrecking and, like, yelling really? at each other. It was like watching teenagers. I love that. Yeah, it was great. Who who was arguing with who? Mick and Keith. It was the it was the rhythm section and plus uh, it was it was no it was Keith and um, uh, Charlie uh, Charlie and then uh, the other guitar the player. Ba oh, Ronnie Wood. Ron. Yeah. They, they, they were, were arguing. just bickering the whole time. <laughs> but they were like audibly train wrecking, like I, I was on a like, big on a big stage. Huge, yeah, arena, that's, smoothie king. That's so arena. great. <laughs> it was great. Actually, no, it was the uh, Superdome. It was like gigantic. It was where the Saints play. I wonder what I like to know what they were arguing about. I think they were talking about the song. They were they were train wrecking, and that's when they would come in and squabble. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's like painted black. Like how many times have they played yeah. that? And they're squabbling yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe did they did did they, did they have them in ears? Could you tell if they use in ears? I mean, mixed definitely on in ears. I think they I think they were. You know, it's hard to tell. The stage is enormous. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those in ears are tricky. I can't. I can't do them. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do like, it. <laughs> it's just too weird, man. It's I, and I have tinnitus like crazy. I mean, I, I like really bad tinnitus. But yeah, I, I'd rather have tinnitus than <clears throat> in ears. I'd rather have tinnitus and every nightus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I get I get tinnitus from riding my motorcycle, right. the wind getting in there, and then I notice that night um, it's just ringing. Yeah. You know, and, and probably playing, but I, it, I really ain't toured a lot uh, it, since I started. I haven't done, the biggest I did was in 96, the Sex Pistols did 100 shows. Mm. That was like, the that's the most I've ever, that was it. That's a lot of shows, in one year? Yeah, not like the Stones. Yeah, no. 10 million shows. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know. So you think you got it from just loud, loud music? Loud music, man. Yeah, for sure. And also mixing. I mix loud. Yeah. Um, that's probably what really did it. I can't, I, you know, engineers, when I mix, they walk out of the room. They're like, how the hell are you mixing yeah, Well, this? they say they want to save their ears. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to feel, I always want to feel the music, so. Yeah. Yeah. And you think, and you think doing it loud when you li <laughs> when you listen back, you're like, you know what? No, you maybe know what I should the, do that again. You know what the problem is? Yeah, it sounds good loud because the speakers are compressing everything <laughs> into like a single pancake. Yeah, and then you turn it down, and you're like, oh, this sounds terrible. Mm. Yeah, so I'm learning slowly. Yeah. Have you always lived in uh, New Orleans? No, I, I grew up in L.A. Oh, yeah. What what made you land there then? I was having a kid, and. Um, Baby mama was like, uh, I don't want to raise my kid in L.A. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, well then, let's go to my favorite city. Is it your favorite city? It is my favorite city, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something about it that... Um, was you there when that whole uh, hurricane thing was going on? Not Katrina, no. No. No, no they just had a thing where they thought that the uh, the levee of the, of the river might break, which uh, oh, that's would next. be a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah that'd be... Um, That'd be everything would be underwater. So yeah, <clears throat> it's a tough call, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The whole world's going underwater a little bit, right? So I think so. Yeah, I don't hate to be negative, but it just seems like it's going that way. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do about it. No. If there was another place, yeah, like another little planet uh, a few miles away, I'd be on it. Yeah, I was just in Venice, and it was like, you know, in 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 uh, Italy. Yeah. That's going underwater. It's got. It's it's got to be. It's it's floating it on stinks. pontoons apparently. Yeah, and it stinks. And it stinks <laughs> in the summer. Yeah. Other than that, it's great. It's great. It's it, amazing. It, <laughs> I'd live there. I want. That's where I'm going to move next. <laughs> in in the summer, it's just uh, it's humid as all hell, and and tourists. I don't know, I don't get it why people. Yeah. Travel. I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. It's like miserable. Everywhere's miserable. Yeah. I don't know. 
you know, at, we we rented like a little Airbnb there in Venice, and you're on the thing, and I'm pretending I'm a like I'm you know some 18th century writer and poet, and I'm yeah. sitting on the thing, and people, and then I'm happy as a client, like you know, suddenly my fantasy of myself, the cinema of my mind, is complete. Broken. And then I get on the you know, whoops, I almost cursed. Look uh -oh, at that, I cut myself. Uh -oh. You get on the old gondola. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, yeah, yeah. I should have brought my gondolier hat. Yeah, oh. did you? Yeah, <laughs> we just we play some music. We're going to visit the Duke. Right. We're here with Edward Sharp and the Magnate Zeros. They're not here. No, they're all in my brain. They're all in his brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's playing. He's playing the Greek Friday. Yeah, tomorrow. Tom, uh, no, Friday night. The ninth. And there's still some tickets available, y'all. There you go. Come see us uh, do our thing. How long do you play for? We'll play for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, we're going to visit the Duke. See you in a minute. Listen, Jones's jukebox. Am I talking? I don't know. Jones's jukebox. Galloway's with my guest, <coughs> Edward Sharp. And the Magnetic. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you call you? I call you Alex. You could you could call either. me either. It's funny though, you know. Like I came up with that name in two thousand four, before I'd met anybody. Yeah. And uh, the Magnetic Zeros were this sort of like this rambling, sort of weird troubadour, dusty cowboy sort of imagery in my head. And I would do the trumpet with my mouth and be like, you know, and just imagine this this cabal. And then my mom showed me, I was telling my mom, like, oh, blah, 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 like telling her this dream of sort of this crew. And she's like, you know, here's this story that I saved, the first story you ever wrote. And she showed it to me. It was like, once there was a boy with a big, strong crew and yada, yada, they wanted to see the world. And he also knew Kung Fu or something like that. Mm -hmm. But all my life, like growing up, that's like, you know, and then it slowly started to piece it together. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the magnetic zeros are sort of, you know, they're like a, they're a part of me. Hey guys, if you're listening, you're part of my heart, man. You're part of me. Do you think they're listening? No. I doubt it. They <laughs> <laughs> get want to get away from you. <laughs> yeah. But you 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 do have a forty piece band? No, it's uh it's it's ten ten dudes. Okay. Um, it, but we've been up to fourteen before. Like we were taking on members at one point. There was this kid Nathaniel for it was his birthday, and he got floated up to the stage playing the fiddle, and we just took him on the road for, like, I don't know, like a week. Um, yeah, we, we just sort of started absorbing. Because our, our initial sort of ethos was, like, screw musicianship. It's all about, like, we don't care. It's just, like, people. We just want... My, the inspiration for the band for me was my, um, my elementary school... Uh, sing-along group thing that the teacher led just you mm -hmm. know just a bunch of people playing out of time and out of key uh, I wanted to unprofessionalize professionalism yeah. that was like my whole goal because I was so sick of this prof I'd come out of this major label thing and trying to write stuff just for radio and I was just like I was just over it so that was the inspiration for the whole thing you kind of started a sound with all that all that back in the, the big vocals yeah and then everyone else got on the bandwagon. Yeah. And every bleeding commercial, <laughs> yeah. that's in it, right? Yeah, man, it's... Uh, do, you, do you resent that? I do a little bit in the sense that what I wanted to convey to aspiring musicians was the the porousness, the sort of demo-ishness, the, the unslickness of the production, the, uh, the rawness, the unprofessionalism. That's what I wanted to convey. No set list. Just kind of like playing music for the sake of it not for the sort of capitalist sort of package deal of it mm -hmm. and instead what we inspired were a bunch of people sort of taking certain sort of poppy elements and then repackaging it in yeah. a slicker way and it really that part of it that they took it and then repackaged it in a slicker way is the part that like kind of made me just like ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to listen to because literally every car commercial yeah. now everything is like hey dun dun yeah, dun, yeah. dun dun you're like oh my god man yeah Boy and girl singing, the trumpet. Uh, I, I like that the trumpet was reintroduced back into pop music. That's nice. But um, there's not a, not a lot of originality out there. No. Everyone's quick to nick something that catches on. Yeah, that's the, uh, like I was saying, the capitalism is the art of refining successes. And I think we just got, we put out like some raw goods and then we got refined and then you have all these other bands that really um, capitalized on it. Um, it's funny, I was just thinking like, <laughs> I was just daydreaming last night. Maybe I should sue that band. Because <laughs> I was someone had posted something about I guess the thing with Robin Thick now, like 
if a song reminds you of another song, you can actually go after them. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So okay. I was just like Dr. Evil in my bed last night, like imagining all the money I could make just suing all these people. And I'm not going to do it. Or maybe I will. You Probably should. Not. You should. I should. I know I should. <laughs> but you never know. It costs you a lot of money to get a lawyer. I know. And you might not win. Yeah. Then you really have a resentment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I, uh, yeah. I, 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 was, I was telling you guys just a second ago, there was a song that I had done that was almost a like me refining Home, our big hit Home, for the second album. And it was me and Jade singing back and forth, and it was four on the floor, and it was like the, th the whole thing. And I was like, okay, this is the follow-up to Home. But then I started seeing all those bands coming out sort of doing the same thing, and so I shelved the song. I never put it out. Yeah. My manager sent it to me again, a couple months ago, it was like, remember this song? We both started laughing, like we'd be like, wow, that song would have... Because that album debuted at number four. Yeah. And it probably would have stayed somewhere around there. But um, we had, we just didn't, we didn't please the, uh, please the sort of, please the past. You so know? you're kind of anti-success? I'm, I, I'm, you know what I like doing? I like looking at the fabric of, of culture and finding out where I can be of service, where I can fill in. Yeah. As opposed to like, ooh, that's happening, like... That little pattern is happening. Let me duplicate that pattern. I'd rather, you know, be of service in that sense where you're like, you're filling in something that wasn't there. So I think that, I think that, you know, whenever I feel like I'm sort of capitalizing on something that, that, that is hot right now, yeah, it just feels a little, a little wonked out for me. But, um, like I was saying, like, you know, selling out is like no longer a thing. I grew up in the nineties when like that was the, the thing. So it's very disorienting to be in a zone where it's like, Everyone looks at you like this conversation. Like kids just be like, "What? Are you talking about, man?" Yeah, you know they have no idea what what that even means. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So because everyone wants to be famous. Yeah, that's the main. When they Quickly. ask kids in school what you, what you want to be when you grow up, they say famous. Famous is the number one thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, I mean, you know, at least it's honest. Yeah, it's honest as hell. There's a lot of bands. <laughs> Who wouldn't cop to that? No, I mean, I want to be famous. You know? You know, I mean, fame is the whole... If you're an artist, the whole way you get success is fame. So yeah. it's not that I don't want to... Like, I'm trying to avoid fame. It's just that... You know what it is? It's just what gets me off is exploration. Like, creative exploration. Yeah. That's all. And yeah. so as long as I feel like I'm exploring, it's all good. When I feel like I'm sort of, like, regurgitating something and refining it so that it can, you know, sell a bunch of albums. It's a, just a different feeling. I'm down with that, too. I've done that. Um, do, you cool. stay, do you stay in hotels? Right now I'm staying at my uh, mom's, but I'm not sleeping very well, so I'm going to stay at an Airbnb today. Okay. Why? Well, this, <laughs> you is, got the, a place? this is the question. When, what, let's say when, when you were on, on the road, mm -hmm. did you stay in hotels? Yeah. Okay, did you have a, 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 a nonsense name that you would give the desk so no one would call you? Oh, that whole thing? Or did you miss that? No, I've I've done a little bit of that, but no, I, d I never did a lot of that. So that like, uh, no, I didn't never had paparazzi chasing me or anything. Or, or fans or whatever. I I you know what the thing about our fans is, every time I've ever encountered a fan, they come up and they're like, "Thank you, yeah, thank you so much, yada yada." And I'm always like, I just love it. I love our fans like to death. I've never really had that. I had one weird fan. He knocked on my door in New Orleans Hotel. at like three in the morning. No, it was my 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 studio. Okay. He found my address yeah. somehow. He knocked on the door. He said, "Is Alex there?" I said, "Look, come back in the morning. It's New Orleans. I'm not coming outside." And the next morning, he 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 came back and he's like, "Do you ever hear voices in your head?" I was like, "I, I mean, you know, kind of." He's like, "Look, I think that I am Archangel Michael." And you're Archangel Gabriel. And Donald Trump is Saint Germain. And it's our job to convince him and make him realize that he's Saint Germain. What do you think? <laughs> I said, well, um, you know, I started like, like really easily walking him back yeah. and being kind of tender with him. Cause I didn't want this to be my, who's the guy who killed Lennon? You know, I just don't want to. Chapman. Chapman. Yeah, I, I didn't know who this guy was and what was going on. So I started walking back. And then... Um, yeah, later he sent me an email. They're having the debates, and he's like, you ready for the splatten in Manhattan? Oh, jeez. I said, um, oh, I just didn't respond. I was like, yeah. I was about to send it to the FBI. Yeah. Um, Did you see the documentary on Netflix, uh, Above Us Only Sky? 
John Lennon, Yoko Ono. I haven't seen it yet. It's fantastic. Yeah. And there's a dude in that that shows up. No kidding. Which is interesting. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> we have some tickets to give away for the show. Okay. It's happening. Edward Sharper and the Magnetic Zeros this Friday, the 9th at the Greek Theater. It's the 10th year anniversary of the release of the album Up From Below. We're going to give those to caller number 12 right now at 800-955-KLOS. So we visit the dude. What are we doing? Let's play a song, um, Home. Okay. A uh, home. Home. This is that song I was talking about. Is, is that, this a commercial? It's just one of the it's a commercials. Commercial break right now. Jonesy's jukebox, KLOS, Edward Sharp. Take it away. EO listening, you've been listening to Jonesy's jukebox on KLOS. <clears throat> that was a track called Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. And we're here with Alex Ebert, who is. Edward Sharp. Edward Sharp. Yeah. And when you hear that song, do, do you get a resentment? No, man. You know why? Because um, even of all the all the stuff that's gone down with it and the, the things that's sort of, you know, that have echoed around it, um, people... Do, they, do people acknowledge that you kind of started that whole yeah, sound? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that and that and that that helps. Yeah. But the main thing that that helps and changes everything is that um, how much that song means to people. I mean, it's like in the top, it's like the top five wedding song uh, in the country. It's it's the stories we get from people that like. Okay, so just the other day we're playing Minneapolis, and during that part where um, we break down, we're telling a story, and I'm talking about how I fell in love with Jade. Um, Instead of me telling a story, I hand the, the microphone to the audience. I ask if anyone has a story they want to tell. Yeah. And um, just last night, or Saturday night, this girl takes the microphone and she starts shaking. And she starts sort of crying. She's like, um, two years ago, I tried to kill myself. And I'm in the hospital. And my mom just kept coming into the hospital and playing me this song. And she starts sobbing, and then the whole audience is sobbing, and, she, and she's like, thank you so much for the song, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it, it, the song just means so much to so many people. Got a life that it of doesn't, its own. Yeah, it, 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 that I love the song. Mm -hmm. I, I deeply love that yeah. song, you know, regardless of, of it being our most popular song or a whole bunch of copycats or whatever, yeah. whatever other things, you know. It doesn't yeah. matter. So I, I love playing it every night. It's not like a song I try and avoid. Yeah. 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 Well, we got to knock it on the head. Yeah. Thanks for coming by, Alex. Thanks. Good to see you, man. Nice to see you. Good luck, uh, Friday yeah. at the Greek. There's a, still a few tickets left, apparently. Yeah. Caller number 12, right? Yeah, we already gave, well, we gave them away? Yeah, you oh, Never mind. Don't call. <laughs> yeah, number 12 won. Um, we're back tomorrow at 12 bells. There's no guest. Oh, thank God. And uh, I will see you tomorrow. <laughs> see you later.